welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy 2024. Chantel, you get to kick us off for the year. This is our our first Friday Five Live, I know, of, of the new year. And, you know, it's so interesting. I think we... Um, I think often in higher education, right, we get to get, kind of get together and we begin to have these conversations that sort of have central themes. Um, and a real theme that is happening in the conversations I'm involved in, and um, as many of you know, I'm at Piedmont Virginia Community College, which is not where Chantelle is. She's at Piedmont Community College in Charlotte. So we get to share similarity of names but in neighboring states, um, that we, we're working with Achieving the Dream, um, which is very exciting. But we have had so many conversations in the last um, several weeks about um, this idea of engagement, this idea of disengagement. So many students seem disengaged from um, our learning environments and our learning communities. And then also how motivation plays into that. So Chantel's really kicking us off today with this idea of what um, is, we're building on work that um, Chantelle has published, and I hope you'll um, feel free to drop into the chat your book so um, it, that we can we can know more about that and, and lean into that resource. But um, Chantelle's really done a lot of work in this area of how we begin to build engagement, build the commu community and connection with our students, even before um, they enter our classrooms. And so whether that's an online classroom or an in-person classroom. So, so excited to start off what I think is really going to be the topic of our discussions in Friday Five Lives for the next several months to come um, with Chantel Strickland Davis. So Chantel, welcome, welcome back to Friday Five Live. We're so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I just love this kind of stuff. Love talking all things teaching and learning and yeah, I'm excited to be here. So thank you. Awesome. Um, well, we, as always, have a lot of questions for Chantel. Um, for some mm -hmm. reason, my PowerPoint uh, slides are not, of course, cooperating with me today because that is how some days work in um, our tech world. Um, so, Melissa, I might stop sharing and see if you can share the PowerPoint um, and just Perfect. advance for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just give me one minute. Up. I will yep. pull it up. Um, but while we um, wait for our technical glitch to resolve really quickly, always um, during Friday Five Live, we um, put together a series of questions to ask um, our, our, our esteemed guest. Um, but if you have questions, please use the chat. This is a great space where um, we can really all come together. If you have best practices you want to share with us, if you have questions, um, you know, don't don't hesitate at all to um, put those in our chat. And um, Chantel, I'll keep an eye on the chat so you don't have to worry about that during our time together today. Okay. Melissa, you want me to stop sharing? Sure. We'll see. I don't know what is going on with. Thank you. Your technology is saying it's almost the weekend. That's right. <laughs> Chantel, you are right. You are right. So in our slides, which we will put in the chat, you've got links to all of um, different ways you can share Friday Five Live. Melissa, if you'll advance, we'll just click through. 
the next couple. Um, and you've got Chantel's information, but now the important information about um, what questions we're going to work through today in our time together. So again, if you're just joining us, feel free to put your questions in the chat. Um, let us know where you're listening from. Chantel, you have an international audience today um, on, in our conversation. So really wanted to kick us off with this idea of kind of the why behind, you know, why is it so important um, that instructors begin to make these connections with students um, before their classes officially start? Um, I know you've got some kind of personal experiences about how this really impacts um, the dynamics of a course, um, kind of not over, not only as we begin our classes, right, but over the longevity of that semester. Um, and I'm just so intrigued to hear from you. You know, uh, I'm an adjunct instructor. I'm married to an adjunct instructor. And so I think um, we're probably, many of us are at institutions where we have high numbers of adjuncts. So even if you've seen differences in practices between full-time and part-time, um, mm -hmm. I would love to hear all of that. So thanks. Thanks again for joining us. Yes, of course. And I'm just making some notes to come back to that cool, yeah. full time part time. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so the insights for first, I just want to I think I'd like to start off by just acknowledging all of the work, all all of it, you know, from our faculty. It, it Teaching is a hard job. So I just want to do a shout out to our, our faculty and thank you for investing in yourself by being here today to be better for our students. You, you really just give a gift each and every day. So your passion and expertise is, is really valued. So I'd, I'd like to kind of start with the personal side, you know, the connections. It's, it's really important. And so just like you make a connection from the first day through the last, I think it's equally as important to get to get to know your students before class officially begins. It really just speaks to a culturally responsive teaching practice. Um, it's just really important um, because research shows that students are, are more successful academically when they feel that they've been seen and they believe that they matter. And when you have hundreds and hundreds of students sometimes each semester, just even thinking about how do I make each and every student feel seen and believe that they matter. Just the thought of that, I know, can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that we're talking about this today because I, I think we'll be able to really talk through some practical tips for, for making that happen. But it's important for us to remember that a, a student's perspective and perception, really, uh, of their instruct instructor caring and, and that they matter is more than just you know, good job, or <laughs> you got an A at the end. Um, it's it's a lot of other variables, and it's the personal side, the the personal connection that you make to your students, and that has been proven to impact student success outcomes. So the behavior of showing that you even care before the first day is really really important. So I can remember personally, distinctly, for me, a very nervous student. We'll just call her Bella a very nervous student named Bella a few years uh, ago. And one of the strategies that I use to get to know my students before the class even begins is to send a very warm welcome letter, which is really more of a video. Also a quick survey to get to know more about them. And we'll talk about some institutional practices that you can do, but it was really important for me to just kind of hear from them and not just about the data. So, in my video, I was very specific about 
expectations and all the things that you, you would think of. But also, I wanted them to walk away after viewing that feeling like I was a partner in their learning process and an advocate for, for their success. And so with Bella, um, you know, she was kind of a sunshine. She was so bright. And she really just reached out and thanked me even before the semester started. And she talked about like how nervous she was about the class and that she was really relieved to know that I didn't wasn't going to think she was stupid because of her prior um, classwork, because uh, we do have access through uh, basically a CRM where we can see student progress. And, and that she also shared that it, it takes her longer to read and process. Um, and it wasn't to the point that she needed an accommodation. She just really wanted me to know that. But just that quick survey and that warm welcome before the start gave her the confidence in me. And it also helped me because it made me think in a, in a high um where they had to do a lot of reading and and with the OER and all of that, it made me think kind of differently about the rules that I had associated with some of my course content. And it was it was me trying to meet her where she was in in essence, kind of meeting all the students. So I just think it's really important to to think about your students as individuals. Um, though it can be daunting, there are, are tools and strategies that you can implement to make that happen. Oh, that's such great, great advice. And I, 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 I'm taking notes and I'm reminded that um, Chantal had previously talked about this idea of cultural responsive teaching practices um, on a previous podcast. So I um, want to make sure we, we refer folks, you know, feel free if you want to learn more about that. Um, we have a whole resource around that. Um, a great, I'm going to pause for a couple of great questions. Um, one question was, when you create this survey, what is it that, you know, what, what are some of the things that you're asking um, about asking your students to kind of give that insight ahead of time? Yes. So I'm very careful about asking um, anything that can be associated with um, what I view as, so like I'm, I'm really cautious about my privilege, right? So I don't assume that they have a favorite holiday or that they have, you know, their birthday or anything like that. I really try to stick to academic that gets me a, a, an idea of their academic um, progress. So um, what did you like most about your last class? Um, where did you struggle with, you know, X, Y, Z in the semester? How do you manage work life balance? You know, do, do you work part-time, full-time? Like those kind of questions that kind of get to know their style, what they're bringing, their strengths, and I, I call them strengths, what they bring to the classroom, and I can kind of navigate from there. So it really depends on uh, the class, but usually like in my EDU or teacher prep classes, I ask them about their experience with teaching, ask them, you know, in their last class, what was really exciting what did they take away? I try to also bridge like their past experience with what's coming in the new the new day with me. I really love that idea of that bridging as well. Like, you know, where and and um Amy Baldwin, I don't know if you're familiar with her work at all. She's at Central um, Arkansas. And, and she talks about having students kind of write their academic story. Um, and, I, and, and that's another way of kind of getting at this, like, 
where do you, how do you see yourself as a student and where are your strengths and um, where have you felt successful um, in the past? And I really, and I love the, the framework, the language that you're using there as you're framing that. How are, I'm gonna tie this into our next question. So how are you then seeing as you're doing some of this work with early engagement, you know, this impact, because I think you're actually doing some um, analysis, data analysis of this um, with regards to learning and participation kind of during course. So ask me the question again, Meg, I'm sorry. Yep. Are, is this the second question or second. the audience question? <laughs> second. Jasmine has a great just uh, point about um, enjoying the institutional, she likes the institutional culture of sharing student progress um, and helps to get to know students academically. And I know technology has come a long way, right, in the 18 years that I've been teaching that we can much more readily share that kind of information yes. um, uh, ac across classes, um, across faculty members. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. It does make me pause and think about this difference that I had noted about full-time and part full-time faculty versus part-time faculty. I know in our system at times, our adjunct instructors don't have access to all the same information about students um, that our full-time faculty um, do. And I know even in my own experience that um, when my, my husband teaches accounting courses and he would come to me and say, can you tell me, like this student is struggling, can, you can look in the system, can you tell me what their past math classes have been, have they like actually really met the math requirements for the course? Because he as an adjunct didn't have any of that um, access to that information, so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think um, we, it, you know, we have to also help faculty understand that we all share students. We share the same students. And so some strategies that, that we've done here are being intentional about putting, um, in particular, program and discipline faculty together in the same room in terms of sequencing. So mm -hmm. thinking about how the student progresses from math to English to your program class and how they intersect um, those learning communities, really helping faculty to see that Yes, this is your student for this is your for this semester, but this is our student for the lifetime that they're here at the college. And so, sharing the students and understanding how they, you know, work best um, is has been very very helpful from an individual standpoint. Definitely looking at course sequencing. We also have a early alert or intervention uh, program here that that's very helpful, so you can see. The student schedule, you can see midterm or mid semester grades from past uh, courses. You can kind of um, do an audit, for, for lack of better words, of your students and kind of where they're coming. I think it's easier when you do, when, when the students do get in their programs because you start to see the same students over and over. Um, but there are ways that the institution can help support and bridge that uh, so that you know, the student learning and engagement happens throughout. Love that. Dana's brought up the point that when we're sharing information, we want to make sure that in, that we're not providing an opportunity to create bias, right? That, yeah. that then a faculty doesn't have preconceived, oh, the students failed this class before. So mm -hmm. Clearly yes. they're not a good student. So then that requires some real education and training around understanding that, you know, potential initial bias or reaction. Yes. 
And then my earlier example that I shared with who we'll call Bella, you know, that was one of her fears that she said from the very start, like, I, I didn't want you to think I was stupid, you know, because of a past um, success or non-success with, with her courses that she, she was comfortable reaching out and saying, look, I'm, I'm really trying to turn this up, turn this around. I, I hope that you'll, you know, see me as a, as a new student and not judge me from the, the past. So I think kind of putting all those resources together, yes, you might have the previous course data or previous course um, progress, but then how do you tie that into what you know now know about your student because of your efforts to actually get to know them before the course starts? So as faculty, and this is our third question, are, are trying to come up with these opportunities to make these connections, to build these communities, you know, what are some kind of frequent obstacles that you've seen and how can faculty um, kind of help to move past those? Yes, there will definitely be challenges uh, with that, with building that community, especially the, the larger number of students that you have. It can actually get very, very complicated <laughs> just trying to keep it all straight. Um, but organizational organization um, and thinking about what is it that you want to get out of it. So maybe you don't do all the things, right? But maybe you just do a, a couple of things. So perhaps you just start with a quick student survey just to kind of understand who's coming in the in the room. Or maybe you do um, understanding the demographics of who may be coming in your classroom. Perhaps you have access to that data, but maybe it's just little pieces um, to build on, build up to where you feel comfortable and it feels organized. But I'd say really thinking about what is it that you want to know and how is that information gonna help you to tailor and, and curate your curriculum based on who's actually in the room. It makes me think too about, and I'm, this is a question I'm just tossing out there. We've been doing a lot of work in the last two months or so around the idea of integrating AI um, technology, right? As a communications resource um, to streamline communication. So I'm just throwing this out there. Are you are you leaning into any of that? Is your like I'm thinking, holy cow! If I'm teaching five sections, right? Of and I have 125 <laughs> students, and um, is that a technology I can kind of help streamline this or, or make my communication more robust? Or just Yes, definitely, definitely so. And we are making efforts to, to understand in how to embrace AI, because it can be very, just the thought of it, it's for me anyway, is very scary, right? And so how do we embrace AI and help it help us? Um, but Still, you can never, AI can never replace you as a human, right? AI can can help you be more efficient, more productive, um, but it, it can never replace you. So we're thinking about how do we balance that understanding that faculty will never be replaced, right? But how can you embrace the technology to support your work? And I think this is a great example of how it can do that when you're thinking about all the ways in which I can get to know my students before they ever log on to the LMS or they ever step foot in the classroom, or like when you were saying the part-time, full-time status, um, 
I don't have a lot of time to do a whole lot of other things rather, you know, other than teach, especially if I'm an adjunct faculty member or I don't have access. So how can I, yes, use AI to embrace this and push me forward? Um, so it is definitely where we're headed. Are we all the way there? No, not yet. <laughs> but we're getting there. Right. No, I mean, I think we're all sort of like, oh, how are we? How are we leaning into this emerging technology, you know, in a way that is res absolutely respectful and grounded in our academic um, responsibilities, but also stream like making making these communication flows in your right. I mean, I get as an adjunct, we're often asked to do things that, quite frankly, we're not paid for. Um, and so, you know, if it's so important that I spend this time before I'm really under contract reaching out to my students and I can streamline it using some AI technology that, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, Steve has asked the question, it removes the personal touch. And I think what Chantel and I are advocating for is using it to help you create the communication plan, um, using it to help craft questions. Um, it can then also take the information that you've gotten and organize it and organize it for you um, in all different kinds of ways. So mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Things that you might be seeing, that will be very helpful, yes. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm -hmm. Like if to look at like, okay, in this class, you know, I am teaching students who largely identify as, you know, I don't know, adult learners who are working full-time and just coming, you know, mm -hmm. thinking of, and to say, oh, all right, now I have a sense of, some of the beginning of an identity of who's in my course, or 80% of the respondents are parents. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are important data sets to recognize. So we've talked about kind of sending out this survey. Curious how you get students to respond, because I have attempted this. And I would love to tell you, Chantel, that I have 100% participation rate and that they all love me and they do it. And that is never the case. Um, and and there's the struggle with like, and and I know I teach a first semester course, right? So we're still discovering we have an email through an institution that I have to read on a regular basis. I mean, so I get it. There are lots of barriers there, but any, so one, how do you minimize the barrier, right? How do you get students to participate in these activities? Um, but also what are some other strategies maybe that you're seeing that are helping create this community and connection? Well, I will be very honest with you. This has been a long road. <laughs> and, and depending on the semester, it can go up and down. You know, the fall, typically there is a higher response. Um, I also will say that as we are getting more uh, dual enrolled and middle college uh, students, it, 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 it tends to flux based on are the parents on them or not. <laughs> you know, um, I've also, you know, a strategy that I used in the fall, we have our, um, all of our student phone numbers through our CRM. You can do a Google number as your phone number and we can text through our CRM. And so texting them has increased uh, participation, you know, kind of getting right to what they're accustomed to using. Um, try not to do too too much of that prior to the semester because then, you know, it probably can get weird or whatever with the, with the students and I also have to recognize I'm not the only faculty member they have. Um, but just kind of 
trying to meet them where they are with the technology through things like text, text messaging um, and telling them how important it is for me to get to know them, kind of making that personal connection. So it's not just about me trying to get you to do something, but I really want to make sure that you are learning that, that I'm an advocate for your success. And so part of that is in the messaging as well. So not just sending them a survey and a syllabus, but like what is the kind of human as Steve said, what's the human side of it and, and why would why would they want to respond? And so crafting the messaging has helped as well. Is this something you share across the institution with faculty, these strategies? No, this is something you Yeah. It's not are you asking like is it a something that we do as a yes, no, no, it is not. It's just what I think is important individually. Of course, you know, I am in faculty development, so I share it and we do have faculty who embrace it, some who don't. Um, but it's really important to me as part of my design practice to understand who I'm working with, who's coming into the classroom. Right. And I don't mean to circle back to AI, and I know that our concern is that it removes this personal touch, but messaging, right? What you know, crafting this initial messaging to get a higher response rate. Um, I mean, you could begin by querying AI, like yeah. write a message that's going to appeal to a population that is between this age and this age. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and and absolutely, I'm off. You don't just take that copy paste and send it off into the world and hope that it works. You know, you, you then need to massage it with that human component. But if you're stuck in a place of, I don't even know where to start, um, that might be a place that um, that you can start. And and I we're getting some questions, so I'm gonna make sure okay. I, I weave those into um, our conversation. But we also use Google Voice, and uh, we're in Navigate Institute. We use EABs Navigate throughout our our community college system, and that does have that um, texting capability through it. And it really is remarkable to me when I email a student and text a student the text messaging. I get, you know, a 95% response rate from that and maybe 20 on, it. <laughs> on email. Uh, yes, yes. Um, so Jasmine's asked the questions, do your students have the ability to forward a student email to a preferred email? Um, I don't know, your system, if they have that. Yes, well, we, I only email, we only email to their student email and yes, they can, in the settings, send it to their Gmail or whatever they want to use. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have that same similarity in our system as well. And uh, Kristen's just making a note that perhaps check with your IT department before um, using Google Voice just with regards oh. to student privacy concerns. So probably mm -hmm. always important to, to make sure, you know, we're launching um, any kind of technology. And I think you're, you're very it's important to be cognizant of the fact that they are getting a lot of messaging from our institutions, particularly as the semester startup, right? And um, to remember, it's not just um, yeah. my class that they're getting information from, um, but also to ask those questions, does my institution have preferred communication method? I, I know several years ago, we had quite an intensive conversation around some faculty were using Remind, the Remind app, mm -hmm. um, you know, to 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 communicate with students, 
And there was the feeling that that's not out, that's outside of the LMS and we use Canvas and Canvas has some uh, messaging capabilities. So not asking students to log into a whole bunch of different platforms, right? Um, to communicate yes. with us. So mm -hmm. um, good, good ideas. Yeah. So what about, we? you know, you've talked in, in our previous conversation about um, culturally responsive teaching practices. And so I think this kind of next question sort of tries to get a little bit at that, um, that, you know, as we're thinking about getting to know all of our students and, um, you know, you're at a community college and I'm at a community college. I mean, we teach, we teach our communities, right, which are incredibly diverse places. And we're seeing just in, in increasing, I hope, at our institutions an increasingly um, diverse population of learners. Um, but recommendations for us, resources that we can lean into to make sure that um, we're aware of that, that we're um, advocating for our students, as you said. I, I love I love that language that um, you're using, and I'm taking notes here, um, so I might not get it right, but um, that I want that I'm here as your faculty member to be an advocate for you. Um, I think that's such powerful um, the language that you're using with your students. Yes. You know, I think to even start, um, just to even start having a focus inward and having reflective practice is, is so important. And you can, your focus inward should be to, if you haven't already, um, to determine kind of positionality and teaching philosophy, because understanding your own position and recognizing and being able to articulate and drive home your teaching philosophy, that's what's going to frame your instruction. You know, everything else will come. You have to be centered and solid in that. And so part of that focusing inward and part of that reflective practice and specifically around positionality is, is acknowledging and considering and reflecting really on bias. And, and those biases on, on teaching. And so if you wanna be there for your student, especially our changing student body, and we, we really wanna be more inclusive in, in creating that learning environment, you have to be cognizant, right? And aware of where you sit in your privilege and your any biases that you may hold, because we all hold them. But if you can be aware of that, then you can be more intentional in how you design your courses and how you approach your teaching. And then that kind of folds into your teaching philosophy. And so you're really making a stance on your role as the teacher and you can be able to share with your students and communicate your expectations and communicate your beliefs and kind of where you're going. And I think this alone will help your students to say, okay, this is her philosophy. This is kind of what she's expecting of me, this is what I can expect of her. And it really just starts to, from the very beginning, set the tone and it's not just what's in the syllabus, but it's everything else that frames the learning opportunity for the semester. So it's really, I see that, um, that focus inward specific around positionality and the teaching statement or teaching philosophy, I see that as the purpose and your own commitment to the learning process and then how that translates to everything else. 
to me is like a package deal. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're as you're sharing that kind of that um, approach, I'm thinking about how that helps to really frame that relationship. Yes, um, and, and, and sharing that up front. Right. And when I think about my own experiences working with students, whether it's online or, or in person, that authenticity of, of my approach with my students has really helped to, to create those connections where my students are then, and, and I mean, I think we all have semesters where you feel like, oh yeah, man, I nailed it this semester or semesters where you're like, oh no. Like I, I um, showed up at preschool with my youngest child to discover that one of my former students was the parent of a, another child in our, our preschool class. And bless this woman's heart, I taught her um, the first semester that I had a baby right? I had had a baby and I came back and I apologized. I was like, I really should let you have a free redo of that one. Like that was not a semester. I was nailing anything <laughs> at all effectively. Um, we survived that semester. We all got through it together. <laughs> the experience. Um, and because I was still pretty young, relatively speaking at that point in time, I felt like I had to, yeah, I was the faculty member I could not share that any of that was, you know, that that was my authentic lived experience. And so I think about as what you're what you're saying and that importance of being authentic with our students, of building that relationship, of doing that work before we enter that space. Mm -hmm. And the connection that you will make as the, the human being right? You are the authority in the classroom. You're the expert and you're helping them to get to that place, but you're also still May at the end of the day, right? And there's ways that you all can, you can connect with your students. And perhaps that, that was a way that you could, you could better connect and help them see um, that, yeah, we're in this together. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm, I've been teaching online now for about 15 years and, you know, all of the things, quality matters, online learning consortium, all these great resources that we have. Um, and I still feel like when I talk with online faculty, we are, we are continue to circle back to how are we building community in online classrooms? And so thinking about, you know, this important work that you're doing and making these connections early and any uh, any other insights, recommendations if we're out there working with our online students? Yes. Um, so online, obviously, it, and I shouldn't say that. I I want to say it, you have to be more intentional um, to create that connection behind the screen. And it is not equal as it is in a traditional classroom, but I, I probably shouldn't say you have to be more. I think you should, it should be equal across the board. But with the online environment, it, it is different. It is different and it's okay to, for us to just acknowledge it is. So I think maybe even in your thinking, re, not rethinking, but in thinking about your course materials as an example. So what's online is what's online. 
in the classroom, you can kind of flex that a little bit by building in more discussion, or perhaps you're like in the moment, you might want to change some things around. Um, but it's kind of like when a student goes in their online course and they open that folder and they start to, you know, it's kind of what it is at that point. So even before the course begins, as you are uh, thinking about your curriculum and you're, you're going through and you're making shifts and changes, I think having a some time built in to just do a good diversity audit of your assignments um, would be helpful uh, for online learning. Really combing through and, and thinking about the voices that are represented, the perspectives um, that are represented. Are there any that are missing? You know, because as you are teaching online, you tend to um, continue to add, add, add. And so, you know, are you inclusive in terms of your, your assignments and your teaching practices? Are there other perspectives um, or are there assignments that should be removed based on your audit? And just kind of thinking through how you're affirming, and again, back to your positionality, how you're doing that online, because it is a different approach than when you're kind of in the classroom and you can make some of those shifts and changes kind of quickly, where online is kind of like you you've already organized for the week or for the month or whatever it is. And so doing that audit prior to the start will probably be helpful. Such a great point. And it, what is it about our online classes? You're absolutely right. I feel like every semester I'm like, oh, I just kept adding more. Like I would be like, all right, here's the 20 things that I'm like, okay, all right, no, let's Let's have a reality check here because um, it is just so easy to say, well, just one more. Oh, but this is really good. Um, and there's so many resources out there and you tend to put in things that feel in the moment like they should be put in. Right. And it just keeps building and building and building. And so taking a step back to to make sure that you have the voices, the perspectives, the representation, all the things. And then what may be missing? What do you have a whole lot of that you don't have, especially when you're looking at your uh, pre-course demos, right? As things are, as you're doing your pre-course before the start of the semester uh, inventory to see who's in the classroom. Are those people represented? Are their voices represented or what may be missing in that material? Uh -oh. And, you know, and I think you're, so smart to to say i mean online just is different i mean it it takes a, a different kind of like i certainly I, I miss you know being in the classroom right i love that engagement that interaction that happens um there but it takes a different level of energy um a, a different kind of energy um for me to feel that same level of impact um in my online classes um so important notes want to make sure that um we You've you've written a chapter in a book, which is just so yes. cool to please, please put this in our chat so that we can all um, make sure we get it added to our libraries. Um, yes. use that. I'm just going to put a direct link. Um, sorry, I should have this. No, don't. 
don't no apologies necessary i often feel like i'm like oh wait i meant to add those it's that online thing 17 resources that everybody needs right um so as chantelle is adding that to our google chat would love to hear if you all have questions that um we did not cover today or um things that you want to make sure that um you ask chantelle or are there strategies you're using um to begin to build that um connection piece even before um, our semester um, semesters or terms begin. Um, and I know lots of us teach in lots of different staggered starts. I feel like it feels like every two weeks we have a new term that begins in our <laughs> institution, um, which is great. Um, and you're like, oh, it's been two weeks. It's time to, to begin again. Um, thinking also about how we can do some of that work to get our students um, engaged in connecting with resources like our syllabus, um, early creating those kinds of, um, we do a lot of work in my class about what are our, yes, I come in with my side of classroom expectations, right? Um, but what are our shared common mm-hmm. classroom expectations? Um, mm-hmm. And ask students to think about that before we really get going. Uh, and that is so empowering. That is so empowering for students to know they have some stake in their learning even before the class begins. It's really, really empowering. I put the link to the the book in the the chat. It is Creating Culturally Affirming and Meaningful Assignments. And it really is a resource guide of all kinds of great information. Um, And it's grounded in inclusive, culturally responsive teaching practices. So it's before the the semester starts, through the semester, in the semester, there are some um, example uh, assignments in here. This is a collaborative effort from several author several authors, but it is edited by Christine Harrington, who is amazing. Um, so there's there's really good information in here. It's worth every uh, ounce of energy that you put into reading. It's an easy read a quick read, a good resource that you can go continue to go back to over and over and over. So excited about this actually being published. This I think this month it came out this month. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely be a resource that um, we should, Chantal, we should have had like, you know, the opportunity to get an autographed um, edition or or something like that um, through. Um, Dana's made the point um, at our college students don't have access to the LMS content until their first day of class. Um, and that she always puts in that request to open the class three days early. And as somebody who used to work intimately in a center for teaching and learning where I got to make the unfortunate phone calls to the faculty who didn't open their classes, it's always an awkward call. Um, yes, love as much as I always try to do the same thing as Dana, open that class up if classes start Monday, I'm trying to at least make that first module um, available on that Friday beforehand and mm-hmm. uh, pushing that out to students. So we also um, also do like a course guide. You know, if you, you don't have to necessarily send them all the details, but if you know, along with that welcome prior to the cart, this course starting, kind of a, a pacing guide of what they can expect because this isn't a uh, secret, right? We should we should share with our students what they what they should be expecting to do, what they could be looking forward to doing. Um, so even like a course guide could be helpful as part of that. 
prior to start semester strategy. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that. So even if we can't, if our system is such that, you know, you can't publish your class several days ahead of time, you should still be able to email out um, that kind of um, resource. Um, and Amanda's made, um, consider creating a liquid and interactive syllabus, which can be accomplished using Google Sites. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what a liquid syllabus. Oh, it's the best. Let me put a good uh, link to a good resource for liquid syllabus. Thanks for bringing that up, Amanda. I always learn a million things. This is why I take two pages of notes for every podcast we do. <laughs> Interactive syllabus, yes. Liquid, new one to me. Oh, right. This is a really good YouTube video where she explains what it is. Excellent. Thank you for that resource that I'm scribbling down. So I'm so excited about all that we have learned today. Um, and Amanda shared that we created one for our faculty development course and the students can access information about the course um, without having to enter the LMS. So, and, and Chantel, you bring up such a good point. None of this should be a secret, right? I don't, we, we wanna empower our students to have that information um, so they can, you know, be active participants in their educational journeys from day one. And as I think about all the conversations that we're having nationally about who is coming to college and, and the shifting demographic of who will be our college students in the decade to come, yes, we must be in this place. I am, I, I, the Chronicle had a piece this week that um, I'm so glad higher ed is finally catching up to this. You know, um, the reality is that our high school students um, have have learning loss from COVID. I have a ninth grade son, and nationally, the statistics show that his class is never going to get caught up academically, right? So in three years, three and a half years, they'll be in our colleges, and we need to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think doing this very work is, mm -hmm. is going to be absolutely necessary to make sure that um, we engage those students and retain them. And that we're flexible and yes, all of those things. Yes, prepared, but flexible, but but no, you know, we, we can help them through this. We're partners in this process. Right, right. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful way to wrap up. Well, I've gone over a few minutes, so I do apologize for that. But Chantel, thank you so much for all the resources that you've shared today. Um, if you are a Go to Knowledge member, fear not, this will be out in your Go to Knowledge site. If you're joining us for the first time, um, we will send you an email um, with recording from today um, as well as the resources. But don't forget, um, you can always share this. It's a podcast um, on any, you'll find us on any of your podcasting platforms. Um, next month, March 1st, we're having um, our next Friday Five Live um, with LT, um, Reese Miles, who's been with us before and she is coming, Chantel. Sometimes I do this and it kind of pairs real nicely together and it's totally by accident. She's going to come and we're going to talk about the hidden curriculum in colleges and universities and how we can address that. So I feel like that dovetails so beautifully um, with the conversation that you've started with us today. So thank you so much um, for I'm your time and your knowledge. It's such a gift. My pleasure. And I'll have to tune into that. Yeah, no, it's just fun too. Well, everyone take care. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope there's time for rest and renewal um, in your weekend to come. And I look forward to seeing you next month. Thank you, Meg. Thanks, Chantel. Take care. Be well. 
Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.